This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. It's Saturday, and I think we could use a break. How about some music? I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. We're listening to Diaz Rai, Chain Around the Spirit, off the truly experimental record Requiem for Jazz. It's the latest release from the Chicago artist Angel Bat DeWeed. Her album Live made NPR Music's best albums of 2020. In 2021, the Chicago Tribune labeled Angel the Chicagoan of the Year in Jazz. And in 2022, she was the NYC Jazz Fest's artist in residence. Her latest work is one part jazz, one part gospel, a dash of spoken word preaching a powerful message, and the list goes on. This album contains multitudes. Requiem for Jazz was released late last month, and I spoke with Angel Batdeweed yesterday. Here's that conversation. Hi, Angel. Hey, Sasha. Looking lovely. Thank you. Colorful, Thank bringing you. in spring. <laughs> yes, you already know. Yes, <laughs> wonderful. So, I mean, incredible track. There's a lot going on in this first song, Angel, that we opened with. But before we get into your new album, I do want to start with your introduction to music. I was reading this article in, in the Sun-Times about you. And it mentioned that it all started with the 1984 film Amadeus. Yes. <laughs> very do tell. So. Um, you know, I was just a very imaginative child and music just always drew me in. And just the music of that film, um, it was when I saw Mozart, when I saw films with children in, in it, I was always drawn to it. And there's a scene where he's a little boy and he's playing the piano and then his dad blindfolds him and then he's playing the violin. I'm like, wow, kids kids can do that. So I, I got really obsessed with the soundtrack and classical music very early on. And so it always stuck with me. Yeah. Well, you, you've got this classical background, as you talked about. You played the clarinet. So then what drew you to jazz? I think just because jazz, I call it black music and I'm a black woman. So I think any type of black music is going to, I'm going to be definitely drawn to it. You studied music at Roosevelt University, but uh, you had to put that on hold, I hear, because of a traumatic experience. Yes, I had a pituitary tumor uh, diagnosed with, so I had a brain tumor. You know, I had to get surgery for that. And then, you know, in college, it was just like medical bills. I just started working Mm -hmm. and uh, music kind of took a back burner and it was very, very depressing for me, even though I was like, I had a good job and was making really good money and and living a wonderful life already. um, I just was always coming home in my room producing or Mm -hmm. doing beats or doing something musical in the background always. 
But those years were really good for me because I gained a lot of skills. I always tell musicians when you're in that transitory period of trying to figure out if music is what you really, really, really want to do or whatever your passion is, what you really, really want to do, you should get like a job that's kind of like not stable, like a retail job. Because then you get free customer service classes. So then you learn how to work with the public. Um, you, you get that kind of nine to five grind feeling so that your head don't get too big when you do make it. You know, so you learn a lot of great things. So I'm very grateful for the business side of what I learned during those transitory years of discovering what's important to me. All right. So time for some more music. Okay. Shall we? <laughs> this is another one. This is your most popular. The song's called London. inspired the song makes me feel I played the clarinet little known fact when I was in elementary school Um, it's like the only instrument I've ever played and I mean I thought I was good I think I was good. Everyone I was, I was decent at the time, but I just haven't picked it up in a long time. Yes. Listening to London makes me want to do it again. Please do. Go just get you a little cheap one on Amazon. It's like $99. <laughs> Order it. Put it in your cart but right it, now. It just sounds so beautiful. And I hear you named the song after the place you wrote it? Yes. Um, in, in 2017... Um, I didn't have a record or anything, but um, the label that I'm on, International Anthem, they were having like this big thing we'll do in London. And I was like, yo, it's my birthday. And I'd never been. So I'm like, I'm just going to go. And um, I had a great time and met so many wonderful jazz musicians in London. And I was in my Airbnb and they had a piano in there. And I'm like, I'm going to write a song about how I feel. And I just started mm. recording it on my phone. And that whole album, The Oracle, was recorded on your phone, right? Yes. All those songs were done on my cell phone because I would have musical ideas and I didn't necessarily have all the equipment that I wanted. And then I think a big reason why I really wanted to put that out there is I wanted to encourage other musicians to say, hey, you don't have to have, you know, thousands of dollars to do that project. You're just Use what you have. and no one now, now I'm really inspired because I, I have an iPhone. I yeah, can... <laughs> you can start recording stuff right now, putting out albums right now. Get back into my eighth grade clarinet skills yeah. plus my iPhone. Oh, my gosh. I can be the next angel. Yeah. I mean, and you know, like, you know, I'm so heavily influenced by, like, the music of Sun Ra. And um, I was just reading. I'm still yes. reading his biography. And um, they said that he was really obsessed with recording but they said that Sun Ra was like insanely good at recording his own music and he would record and record a lot and I realized like I've always been like that since I was a child you remember I don't know if you remember those uh, like Macaulay Culkin had them little tape recorders and stuff oh absolutely I, I was all on the tape recorders <laughs> I had one too, yeah. um, ever since I was a kid so recording <laughs> and, that, and that's what's important about Requiems too is that like I really wanted this whole project to be re- recorded and written by black people only mm-hmm. that was very intentional um, because I would see so many projects saying like somebody would record their music and then they would hand their music to a white person to master it Mm. and when I said white male master my music that didn't sit well with me so I was very intentional with this project of mixing it myself because it's my ears and it's what I want to hear not what someone's idea of what I want all the musicians are black um my mastering engineer he's black you know, um, and I will give props to the National Anthem because they were very sensitive and um, understanding and respectful about my need to make this very, very black. Mm. You're also an educator. 
Yes. And, and you've said before, uh, one of your goals is to open a school one day. Absolutely. Talk to us about what you teach. Like, what's your teaching philosophy when it comes to new students or new musicians? That is such an amazing question because it's something that I'm discovering right now. I'm researching now what a music pedagogy is for black children, not specifically tailored for the education of black children. Um, because the way that black children grow up in this world, they're they're miseducated. Now, when I started playing clarinet, there's just like you, Sasha, mm-hmm. there was like 40 of us little black girls playing clarinet, and we all loved it, and we were all really good, yeah. all right? Now, why was it like, you know, that was like 6th, 7th grade. By the time I got to 10th grade, I was the only yes. little black girl left, and I was surrounded by all white children who... They And there was this feeling that I was less all the time. And I was like, now look at this. There's hundreds of thousands of black musicians who gave up somewhere along the line. And I know it's because of racism. And I know it's because the needs of children's education is not is not proper. So a part of my research, that's why I'm giving myself a good, you know, 10, 20 years to really do this so that I can have a curriculum, a pedagogy designed specifically for my community meaning I'm not going to go out of my way and teach white children. They're going to be fine. They got all the universities and things they need. When are people going to really take the specific time to really study what the children in my community? So what do I do? I teach a lot with the Old Town School of Folk Music here in Chicago. Um, Right now I'm working on a project with the Simpsons Young Girls uh, School. It's a school for young mothers, and we're going to help them compose lullabies for their babies. Oh, nice. Um, I'm also working on a project called Fireflies, where I go and I just play music for zero to 24-month-year-olds. Um, and we we're, the basis of this composition is all based on earth, wind, and fire songs. That's what we call Fireflies. Oh, wow. And then I have my great black music class uh, that I've been teaching. Um, I taught it through uh, Ju- Juvenile Detention Center during the pandemic. That's where I really developed this class of, so I taught that virtually, you know, being a part of my community is important. So, and that's part of my research. That's part of how I'm going to develop the school. I think you're hitting all the right avenues there with that. You're listening to Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we're speaking with Angel Bat-Deweed, who's a Chicago composer, clarinetist, and vocalist. So this new album, Angel, Requiem for Jazz, it's a lot of things, right? Most prominently, it feels like a a eulogy mm. or remembrance for, for jazz and its roots in African-American culture. Yes. So I, I asked you about your teaching philosophy because I wonder what you think the, the future of the genre is and, and how you present that to new artists. Mm-hmm. It's the genre called great black music, meaning if you are a black presenting identified black person in this universe and music comes out of you, it's going to be great. And it's going to be black. So I don't believe in these genres like jazz and words like that. That's why, you know, this death of jazz is it's death of the concept and the word and the grind of it. It sounds limitless, your version. Yes. The version is eternal. Like it's always been there. And so, you know, the death of jazz, this is based off of the film, The Cry of Jazz. The whole project is based off of this short documentary film. Yeah. Um, where they're discussing that. And he said jazz died in 1959. And so um, I had been commissioned by the Hyde Park Jazz Festival to write something. And I was like, cry of jazz came to my head. And I was like, well, if jazz died, then we didn't really have a proper funeral or burial ritual for it. So yeah. <laughs> that's requiem music. 
which goes on back to my love for Mozart because I always loved Mozart's Requiem. That was like his last piece before he died. Oh, my gosh. The album, it's largely um, recordings from a live performance, yes. too, with a large band and mm -hmm. a choir. Talk us through putting that together. Yes, I knew. Managing all those folks. I don't know. I'm just, like, natural at these things. Um, when I was a kid, I was always a kid who was like, let's do a play. Let's do a skit. Let's do this. I've always been like that. So it was quite easy because I know so many great musicians here in Chicago. So I was like, well, if I write the music, they'll come and they'll play it perfectly because they're the bomb. So I didn't really have to win. And they're all my <laughs> friends and we love each other. So. Oh, my gosh. Win-win. Yeah, yeah. So it's family. So I want to play a bit of the interlude that follows uh, the song that we heard at the beginning of the conversation. So a reminder, we opened with Diaz Irai, Chain Around the Spirit. So let's listen. So the interlude is called Another Restraining Factor in Jazz Are the Changes. It's a performance, but highlighted with other elements from, from genres born in black culture, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm talking in this instance, a hip hop beat mm -hmm. is, is what's what we're hearing on the baseline. Talk about the genre bending here. Yes, you know, it's just like, you know, my philosophy that it's just great black music, you know. Um, I'm from the hip hop era. Like hip hop was my first medium of whatever so um i definitely have produced so the concept for the album was like i took the live performance and i just sampled each track and then mix remix the beat you know and and it all tied together and a lot of the the transitions from from song to song they feature poetic insights or spoken word mm -hmm. um and they, it expands the themes that you're already exploring in right. the album right mm -hmm. let's let's hear one more So it starts there through spirituals, through the blues, then through jazz. We made a memory of our past and a promise of all to come. Yes, but I wasn't born in 1959. I am the promise. Everyone on this stage is the promise. So this is referencing, as you mentioned earlier, the cry of jazz. Yes. Uh, it's a documentary. It was made by Edward Bland. So help put that into context for us and, and explain that documentary a bit more. Yes, the documentary is an interracial cast of friends um, coming together after a jazz club concert and they start discussing jazz. Is it black music? Can white people play it? Like these very, very hard things about racism and black and jazz. And, um, you know, the whole thesis is uh, jazz is dead. And so, you know, I discovered this film and it's always been with me. And um, I thought of a requiem, which is 12 parts. That's why you hear all the Latin requiem. I'm following the Latin liturgy, liturgy yes, literally and liturgically. And then um, what ended up happening is I was because I do before I compose anything, I do like a really a lot of research, you know, like I really put together like a research paper and then I create the music around it. And so then I li literally took the film and I was like, oh, wow, it cuts up into 12 pieces very nicely and so I tried to hit certain parts that I thought were kind of important uh, statements throughout it and then mix that with the, the scriptures like the Bible and so I was kind of trying to make like uh, the film version fit the liturgy okay. of, of what each of the you know verses were saying when you go through a Roman Catholic thing 
you know, because it's a form of music. Mozart wrote requiems. All these classical mm-hmm. musicians wrote requiems, and they had confutatis and all that. So I was trying to keep that whole thing together. Yeah, I mean, I, I see the the parallel there. The the death of Mozart, the death of jazz. Yeah, right. Talk about mm-hmm. that a little bit. Yeah, and it's so interesting because both are so. The ooh, one is like so black. And then I'm also doing at the same time, classical music is considered such a white art form um, when I think it's still all black. <laughs> so it's just a lot of things that come together when I mash them all together. Um, I, it was a, definitely a big experiment to see what something so, you know, white and Christian and even Roman Catholic with something so black like jazz and you put them together. it It's a death of some sort of thing, some type of thing. Um, and then there's so much grieving in the world right now. Like we just came through this horrible pandemic time and there really was like no memorials. Like nobody did like a big, oh my goodness, all the people who died of COVID, you know, mm-hmm. um, I've yeah. had a personal death in my family over these two years. My sister died two two years ago. Oh, I'm so sorry. And so like to have a requiem is, is more than that. I had, an, I had another friend pass away um, during the time period of writing this requiem and when the the pandemic started that's when i started mixing it and it was it's just a lot so to bring it so this this is personal it's very personal yeah it's super personal repression. This one feels big. <laughs> Theater-like, right? I feel mm-hmm. like I'm sitting in a theater watching this on stage. Mm-hmm. How does it fit into what we've been discussing? Oh, it's so amazing because a lot of these things I would just throw in a pot and for whatever reason they start to make sense to whoever is getting it. You know, because like my intentions were not to be so literal on this song. Um, I didn't really know how to hit confutatis and the film together, but there is this kind of repression and and destruction that I'm, you know, repression of trying to get out of something, but also when you're getting out of it, you're destroying a lot of things that just don't work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, racism ain't working. It ain't working for me, you know. And it shouldn't be working for anybody. It shouldn't. Like, we're just way too comfortable with it. That's why I like this film, because... They were willing to be in a room together in 1959 when the stakes were even higher. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a meeting like that, all those brothers in there could have got arrested. And now people are just too squeamish to have that conversation about race um, in so many circles. And I'm like, you guys, we're going to have to be uncomfortable for a little bit because if we're going to coexist and live in this universe together, I got to let you know that like white people, y'all be doing stuff and the way you run the world is kind of messed up. I don't like it. I don't like the way you guys run the world. I don't like the programming. I don't like what I see on TV. I don't like your White House. I don't like the, the men on your money that look who were slaves. Owner. I don't like it. And yet we got to sit here and be repressed every single day as black people and deal with it and try to act like we're cool with it. And I'm not cool with it. It's uncomfortable. And so I need a space to say that from time to time. And my music is the best way to do it. It's time to get uncomfortable. I'm okay with it. If we're going to heal, we're going to have to be uncomfortable. If someone is getting on your nerves, i.e. racism, I am not going to sit around and be comfortable with it. So every day I'm trying to figure out a way that that can end, you know, 
if we don't have that, then what are we doing here? I can't let you leave without asking about uh, Chicago's music community. Mm. I want to give you a chance here to sort of shine a light on your favorite artists in this city. I, I mean, it may be a tough question. Yes. But who would you put on that list? Thousands of people. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Name all thousands. All thousands. Well, definitely everyone in my the ensembles that I play with um, that I have. I have an ensemble called The Brotherhood. That's Dr. Adam Zanellini. He's a great multi-instrumentalist here. He runs a great place called Elastic Arts. It's just been so wonderful to me. Um, Chris Espinoza, Alejandro Salazar, great drummer here in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone in my band, Julian Otis, Deacon Julian Otis. Woo! Um, goodness. Jaden Berkman, he's just 21 year old phenom. Everyone, Sisters of the Nitty Gritty is oh, my, nice. my women's group, you know. Um, then I have a duo with a wonderful sound artist here, We On We. Please look up We On We, O-U-I-E-N-U-I-E. We're, we're, we're an ensemble called that We. So we got to know what's next for you and all of these projects that you're you're juggling. Lots of things. I have lots of projects going on. Oh, my goodness. Wonderful things coming out. Um, okay. I'm, I did a compilation album with Red Hot, uh, which is a wonderful compilation series. And they are doing a tribute to Sunrise's song, Nuclear War. So I'm on an album with that. Uh, Georgia Man Mudra's on there. Uh, Irreversible Entanglements. Is a lot of great, great black artists. We've done, like, some remixes of Nuclear War. And that's coming out next month. Awesome. Um, we so look forward to stuff. it. Yeah. That's Angel Bat Dawid, a Chicago jazz musician, composer, and educator. Her latest album, Requiem for Jazz, is out now. Angel, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome, Sasha. Thanks for having me. All right. So, Angel, we're going to end today like your album ends, right? So do you want to set up this final track for us? Yes. Everyone listening to the sound of my voice. This is a thing called a long tone meditation. It's taught to me by the great Phil Coran, who's a wonderful Chicago cosmic artist. Rest in peace to him. What you do is everyone take a deep breath. And on the exhale, you're going to let out a tone. Are you ready? Yes. Everyone who's listening, let's go. Deep breath in. If you made it this far, congratulations. You get some special bonus content. Angel happened to bring her clarinet with her to our studio, so we just had to let her play. Check it out. For I be indestructible consciousness.
chain, chain around the spirit, chain around the spirit, chain around the spirit, chain, 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 chain around the spirit, gonna chain around spirit. That's it for this episode. Today's Reset podcast was produced by Ethan Schwab, who also edited the episode along with Meha Ahmed. Looking for some more jazz this weekend? Maybe check out my conversation with Michael League a couple weeks ago or Micaiah McRaven last year. And if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.